Welcome to another PSD cast from Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Alex Pault, and I've got Ed Corco here from uh, the Weather Company. They're now an IBM company, in fact, and uh, we're going to talk about the smart grid, which is a huge, huge space, isn't it, Ed? Welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me, Alex. It's great to be here. Well, you know, as I was saying, it's, it, the grid is such, it's such a huge space, uh, and it's broken out into infrastructure, software, analytics, and big data is becoming so much a big part of the grid that it's almost inseparable at this point if you seriously want to compete in the space, right? Well, I completely agree. I completely agree. And in fact, I'd go one step further to say that the concept of smart grid uh, is inseparable from the concept of big data. Smart grid is big data. It exists in a way, you know, it exists as a concept to allow us to collect a lot more information from a lot more different sources a lot more quickly and apply it across infrastructure, across operations, across pricing and options, um, across basically the entire uh, power value chain, if you like. Without data, there is no purpose to smart grid. And without smart grid, it is almost impossible to gather data of the variety and, and depth and quantity to run those analytics. And that's an excellent point, Ed. Well, and the only question in my mind, you're absolutely, you know, you, 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 you're right spot on, but you, I would, just to be the devil's advocate, I would have, I would say some people might argue that simply having high quality uh, on-site or low level management would be satisfactory response demand, dynamic scaling, you know, all of the super cool engineering stuff that can be done at the device and system level, some would argue, do we need that big data over on top of it? And I guess my fair fair bit of devil's advocacy and uh, allow me to be God's advocate on the other side. Um, Go for it. And, and simply say that, again, it's, it's an inseparable thing. In, in, in the context even of engineering and infrastructure, the data is the window into that functioning. Right? If you're going to talk about optimizing infrastructure, if you're going to talk about metering and sub-metering buildings right, to get a better fine control over power usage and demand management, right, you are still dependent on data. Uh, as we used to say, you know, it's... Um, when you think about electricity as a service, right, the proof that electricity has been saved, right, the proof that electricity is being used efficiently is effectively in the data and the insight it gives you. You cannot point to your storeroom and say, oh, I have two extra, you know, boxes of megawatts that I didn't expect to have over there. <laughs> Great, you know, we can, we can skip an order this year. Um, it, it is very much uh, data is the expression of electricity in any sort of meaningful business way. And whether you're talking about infrastructure, whether you're talking about demand, whether you're talking about supply management, really whether you're talking about grid enhancement, green technology, uh, you know, it is the data and the insights that come from it that allow you to know that what you're doing is having the effects that you want. It's also material, mm. uh, if you will, to differentiate the realm of the plausible from the simply the good idea. If I cannot measure it, if I cannot divine insight around it, then no matter how interesting an idea it is in concept, no matter how interesting the, the hardware and the technology may be, it is not going to be useful uh, in the businesses in which I work. Got it. Well, and actually, I do agree with you, Ed. 
And, and one of the aspects of it that appealed to me the most is that it is massively scalable and the benefits increase with scale as opposed to decrease and they increase exponentially because if I can manage that facility, I've won. If I can manage that community, I've won. If I can manage that city, I've won. If I can manage that state, I've won. Each level, and it's not just control, as you point out, you need that data in order to be able to control correctly. Quite so. And the other way to think of scale in this context is it is also bringing together information of different types. Right? It is, no, right. it is no longer to say I have interval load data and nothing else, or I have you know uh, substation data and nothing else. Right? I can bring in weather data. I can now look at weather and load data and see how they match. A big part of you know our day, of course, is in the load forecasting realm. Right? It is programs like demand response in the in the U.S. and in parts of the Far East that allow you know, megawatts saved to be the equivalent of megawatts generated into better balanced spinning reserves versus uh, versus demand reduction, right? This requires a lot of data that 20 years ago or even 15 years ago would have been seen as fundamentally ancillary to, you know, the, the good operating of utilities and the good operating of a, of a power grid, not because nobody recognized their importance, but because the capability of ingesting that data and then bringing it together with the relevant electrical data just wasn't there. Right, right. Well, and hence the name Weather Company for a power management service. Right, and, and again, as the weather company, what our concern is is creating advanced analytics where weather is a necessary but insufficient component, right? And that's that's right. part of where the synergies with IBM lay is we want to have and we do have the best weather, right? We produce the most precise, mm -hmm. most accurate forecast in 2.2 billion locations around the world. We do it every 15 minutes. On the consumer side, if you go to one of our apps or you get your weather through Google or Apple, you're getting one of our forecasts, and that's not cash. That's generating billions, tens of billions of these transactions. But on the business side, it's taking that forecast, thinking about it probabilistically, not just deterministically, and then combining it with, again, be it load data or be it aviation data or be it ground transport data, and trying to say something useful about operations with, you know, be it predictive or prescriptive, trying to say something useful about those operations that can't be said any other way. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, and Ed, when you say it like that, the aspect of the uh, meshing, the, the scalability in the sense of uh, layering the sources of data, that's a very fascinating aspect to think about. And one of the, which brings the question to my mind then, is uh, some of these municipalities and some of these energy providers are putting in the sensor network themselves. I imagine uh, you're getting a lot of information from actual weather services. How long do you see before the grid sensors that the companies are putting in themselves will start to provide additional secondary data to the information you're already getting from, say, the weather services? Well, and, and to be clear, we get not only information from weather services, but we get them from personal weather stations, sensors on individual homes or individual businesses. We are already deriving insight from those individual building sensors. There are BMS systems, excuse me, building management systems out there that already have integrated weather. So the, in that particular regard of how long until 
we are not only you know using that load data and using that metering data, but also using it as a source of weather data. In a very real sense, the future is now. It's not as widespread as I think it'll be in 10 to 15 years, but as that capacity grows, and, and frankly, as the need for this combining of data grows, Right? You can imagine that there's going to come a point where you're going to want multiple sources of weather, multiple sources of load, multiple sources of operations data that can all be combined together to give you an optimal bit of insight or even prediction. Now, there comes, a, I think, in the excitement of smart grid, something that uh, your audience probably has not overlooked, but a lot of people thinking at the 50,000-foot level have overlooked, which is there's a whole set of capacities there. Right? The capacity to ingest and manage large data, the capacity to understand and produce analytics with meaning that uh, a lot of the, and I'll speak mostly to the U.S. domestic market here, but, but I suspect it is also true um, in, the, in the European market. There's been an assumption that utilities and grid operators will just be good at this. Hey, smart <laughs> We'll put the sensors on the on the buildings, and we'll submeter, and we'll collect this data, and everything will be wonderful. And yet, the ability to ingest and manage data, and to become a data business, right, and the ability to apply that data analytically in a way that is sound and useful, right, these are non-trivial capabilities that a lot of the energy business is trying to build right now at speed while the car is moving. It's a it's right. one of the where I think the, the regulatory structure and the political environment, frankly, uh, and, you know, all for the benefit, but, but it sort of outpaced some of the operational questions. And when I talk to folks in the industry, that's a, a level of concern or frustration, even if they can't quite articulate it, that now we're suddenly supposed to be good at this thing that's, you know, not easy to be good at, just as it's not easy to know how to build a power plant. Yeah, but then again, Ed, uh, you, hit, you hit the nail right on the head. That's why uh, specialty uh, services with their own IP, like the weather company, are out there because no one can be great at everything. So the people who are good at the right things rapidly rise to the top within the industry. I mean, I don't think IBM would have reached out to you if um, it wasn't important. Quite so, and, and we certainly want to be a valued partner um, with our clients, and, and we do, you know, we do like to partner in the energy space. Uh, but at the speed at which innovation is moving, and, and you can get very, very cynical about this, right? The, the, the old joke, mm -hmm. smart, smart grid is the technology of the future and always will be, right? Even if there's that, that you know, is, there are times when it seems like smart infrastructure is, is just going to, going to go throughout the market by storm, and then it seems to slow down a bit. Uh, we like to partner and, and we like to move, but even to be an effective partner, if this is critical to your business, you need a base level of familiarity with this sort of stuff simply to know that you're picking a good partner. You know, one, one thing that we are very firm at here at the weather uh, company and at IBM is that we want to work with people who can be sure that we're giving them good service, that, that are confident that we're doing good work for them. And as these companies are trying to get smart at this at speed, they're becoming more informed consumers, and that's all for, the good for us. But there is no doubt that it's also holding some, some parts of the business back. Right. Well, the thing about that, Ed, that uh, gives me comfort in all of the disruptive technology spaces is eventually you get to the tipping point where it's 
a pure financial decision. And once it becomes a pure financial decision, you know you've won because once you realize if I have a skyscraper with a data facility in it and I've got intelligent building management, if I use it right, just the energy I save can buy me that corporate jet. Yeah, and I certainly think from a from a pure BMS standpoint, we're, if not there, very, very close. Um, you know, I always like to think in terms of, never mind buying the corporate jet, you know, at some point, if you are, if electricity is costing you more than all of your competitors, that's, that's a direct to your bottom line, right? If, if I can get for five cents, you know, the equivalent of what it costs you 10 cents to get, that's a huge advantage to me. And so that ability to manage and, and that ability to be an active participant in your own demand is quickly becoming necessary because not only is it, not only we're seeing the savings be upside for the early adopters, but now it's starting to become a drag on the people who are lagging. Agreed, agreed. Well, and then when it's, but the, the, that's the big thing about technology. When it's time to railroad, you better railroad. Correct. Correct. And, and you know, let's look at another analog. It's, it's not quite operations smart grid, but very related, which is load forecasting, right? Yeah. Uh, if you go back, you know, again, 10 to 15 years, someone has always been forecasting load, right? Since there have been electrical markets, there's been load forecasting. Right. But load forecasting is getting better. It's becoming much more of a, of a pillar that people are leaning on. It's no longer just something for traders and arbitrage. Now it's everything from capital planning all the way through to mixing uh, renewables into your portfolio, all the way through, again, to demand management. Right? That load forecasting mm-hmm. is weather and that ability now just not to look at load, but to look at weather and to look at other stuff to create a more advanced, more accurate weather forecast and a more advanced, more accurate load forecast right, has become much, much more important. It's moved from a nice-to-have and competitive advantage now to an absolute necessity to operate in really any part of the electricity market. Got it. And Ed, I have a question, and it brings to mind a question. What do you think the next variable metric to be incorporated into grid-level planning? What, like, what piece of data that you wish you could have, if they could measure it, that you'd like to use? That is a great question, and at the risk of uh, at the risk of not quite answering it, when I think about what's next, I am usually not thinking about what the next piece of data is, not because it, it isn't important, but because I think that there are some data that already exists that isn't being fully leveraged, both in terms of you know it hasn't been collected for long enough or with enough depth, or it hasn't yet been. Um, been sort of fully understood, right? So when I think about the data sets that, that we use and the data sets that we're constantly seeking to improve, and it varies a bit, right, by what problem we're trying to solve, but again, I think of renewable generation. Right? We are really only scratching the surface of understanding the volatility of renewables and really integrating it into a portfolio of generation assets. There's there's lots of people, including ourselves, doing some great work on it, but that's something that's going to get much, much, much better in the next five years, right? As, again, renewable becomes a a less important part, right? Um, If you even think about, you know, building management systems, it's less what they're collecting and more the ability to share that that knowledge, right? You go to a trade show, you go to GlobalCon, and you'll, you'll hear about 
know, the ability to, you know, control things down to the light bulb level. And, and that's fascinating, but really the next thing is going to be how does all that get extracted and put together to drive greater insights about, as you said, operations on everything from the local to the, to the state or regional level. If I'm going to move beyond that, Really, the, the sort of next, uh, the next big realm for engineering is going to be unstructured data, right? When I really think about what's next in terms of big data for utilities and, and for the energy space generally, right, it's unstructured data. It's images, it's text, it's being able to ingest and understand and contextualize that along with the structured load data and the time series data and the weather data and really say something more and more useful and interesting, right? And this has rolled everything from, this is important for everything from, again, improved load and demand all the way through to improved operations and, and productive maintenance, right? You can imagine um, it is great to look at load, it is great to look at weather, and we can do some powerful things. Now imagine, you know, taking something like uh, IBM's Watson and its ability to ingest satellite imagery, right, and starting to overlay mm-hmm. that, right? Imagine being able Maybe to Maybe there's a street fair. I'm sorry? Maybe there's a street fair. Maybe there's a street fair. Maybe you're going to be able to see patterns in the, in the way things look in the atmosphere. Maybe you're going to be able to see patterns in the way things look on the ground in your wires and your substations, right? Maybe you're going to, you know, maybe you can start thinking about, and this is admittedly, at least in the near term, more in areas like ground transport and logistics, but you could imagine operational concerns starting to get to the idea of being able to ingest the conversations you're having with your techs to really understand what they found when they went to look at a piece of equipment, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? And really begin to ingest that and start thinking about that in terms of proactive predictive maintenance and useful life and amortization. Right, now I get you. And now when I was referring to with the street fair aspect is, um, if you could track crowds, you might be able to predict local power surges. And that's something we're already working on. Like they, that kind of stuff, oh, you know, cool. what's, what's amazing with that is, between location data, right, the ability to just understand people are with their phones and whatnot, social media and its ability to save people where they are, there's some really interesting work we're already doing about this idea of, um, you know, what do we know about uh, sort of local conditions in terms of volume, in terms of disruption, and what also do we know about how quickly it goes back to whatever the baseline is, right? Consider the example, and, and again, you could see where this could be relevant for, for outage prevention alike, right? Where I know not only that there's going to be a snowstorm because we're the weather company, but I know on a street by street or neighborhood by neighborhood basis, which ones tend to be most disrupted and which ones tend to recover more quickly or slowly. So I can start saying useful things to everything from service in that area, to the, to the operational support in that area, all the way to the business in that area, you know, here's what you should think about in terms of disruption to your world based on this event. And as is true of a snowstorm, right, when you start thinking about that is also true in terms of, as you said, street fairs and, and marathons and concerts and all the other things, because disruption in this case doesn't necessarily mean something bad, just something different, right? Right. Very, very good. Well, and that goes, right, as you were saying, goes everything from a positive thing like a parade or a fair to the negative thing like a flood or famine. And I mean, if you know what's going on, you're prepared for good or ill. Right. And, and more importantly, if you can start saying something about resiliency and recovery, because it's not just knowing you're disrupted. I may, I may know, you know, I live uh, in Massachusetts, right? And, uh, you know, I certainly um, know what it means to get, you know, a foot of snow on the ground. 
But what's really interesting in the town I live in versus another town is I have a very, uh, you know, sort of, uh, I have an internal heuristic about how good my town is about cleaning up that snow and getting me back able to drive to work, get the kids to school and go to the grocery store. Being able to get a more refined, uh, you know, more formal look again at multiple layers of, layers of granularity is an incredibly valuable thing. And being able to apply that, again, that return, if you will, to normalcy, being able to measure that out and, and help our clients make their plans around it, everything from how you distribute to crews, again, to how you think about your infrastructure. Do I have equipment in the field? Right? be it a meter, be it a pump, something that's exposed to the weather or that's requiring a certain amount of care and feeding that I want to think differently about simply because I know that I happen to be in an area that, for a lot of reasons, takes a little bit longer to recover from disruption. Maybe the normal ROI about replacement changes a bit. Maybe I do something a little sooner or a little later. Right? And that not only makes everything function better, but it actually, in the, in the end, improves operation, but also, again, improves that ROI and improves the, the sort of financial discipline around your operations. Got it, got it. Now, um, Ed, I, I, I was going to ask you another question. I realized that we we're running out of time. I could talk to you forever on this subject because SmartGrid is such a great space, but you have to promise me then you got to come back to the show so we can talk some more about it. Sure, always happy. Before I... Excellent. But before I let you go, Ed, I always let my guests have the last word on the show. So you could say a little bit more about um, what the company's doing or something about the space or just a tip for our audience, but the floor is yours. All right. Well, thanks. And, and I guess the first thing I'd like to say, and you know, without bragging about the, a company I'm very proud to be a part of, right? Uh, I would say that when we talk about big data, we do walk it, right? We, Google processes 8 billion search requests a day. We process about 20 billion location requests every day, right? You know, we, wow. we are dealing with a smart grid of weather sensors, right? We have, uh, we ingest uh, 100 terabytes of third-party data a day. We have close to 400,000 API calls every second, right? So, um, you know, we, we uh, on just personal weather stations alone are almost a quarter million of them globally, right? So when we think about some of the challenges that the folks in utility are taking, we're, we're coming from a place where we really are trying to walk the same road. And so if there's, you know, there's only one thing when, you know, when we do talk about this stuff, everyone's got an opinion, and, and I would certainly never say that I am the, or that the weather company is the only font of wisdom there, but what I would say is our learnings come from a, of a place of real similarity to what's going on there. As far as the last word and, and thoughts about it, again, it, it really comes back to if I were going to try and leverage the full power of the smart grid, I would be asking myself not just what do we have in terms of, of a sensor network and, and what do we have in terms of hardware, but are we really prepared to be a big data organization? And big data doesn't just mean ingesting structured familiar data, but it means the ability to bring multiple data sources, structured and unstructured, together and glean insights from them. Well, that's the name of the game, right? Because it's all in the name, big data. I'm really glad Ed, that you had the time to come and really help. I mean, I definitely got a lot out of this. And I, as I said, I want you to come back and we'll talk some more about this, especially as you add more capabilities to uh, what the weather company is doing. Always happy to come back. And uh, thank you very much. I enjoyed the chance to chat with you as well. 
off. The pleasure is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. We wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Power Systems Design. Have a great day.